This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Earth with Sonar of Mars. We're on the final month here of the quarter. We've got a great lineup here talking to you today. We're going to be looking at GDP and where that's likely to go. We're going to be looking at some really interesting research towards the end of today's episode that could potentially signal when the next bull run in freight will start. But before we get there, we've got a lot of information to cover from trucking to the ocean markets and what it all means for the rest of the first half of this year. Before we get there, Tony and Tanner, glad to have you guys here uh, with us today. What are you most excited for uh, this month? I mean, obviously, end of the quarter. Uh, it's when all the stuff starts moving, right? Or so it seems. So, But it's also March Madness. So, I mean, that's, that's right. Really, that's, that's the only answer, right? Basketball. <laughs> Basketball's coming to an end, but it's the most fun sporting event. There is. Absolutely. I and I feel like we've missed it kind of last two years, right? They yeah. ended up canceling it two years ago because of COVID. Last year, I think everybody forgot about it. So this yeah. year's like, we're, we're back into the full swing of things. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Luke? Very excited. Very excited for March Madness. Always a win. Always a pleasure to have. It seems like as soon as one sporting event ends, we get another one. So now that the Super Bowl is over, football is done with, we're now moving on to uh, the good times here with basketballs. And I totally agree. There's a lot, lot that's going to happen here. But I want to jump in here a little bit, right? Because I was looking at some charts in Sonar and a couple of things that I saw that really sparked my attention today. Line haul spot rates, meaning we've taken fuel out, are right back where they were during the highs before the pandemic started. I, let me say that again. Spot rates are currently have fallen to pre-pandemic heddle, pre-pandemic levels, net of fuel. Did, did that surprise you guys that that was going to happen when we were here a year ago? Uh, I mean, did it surprise me? A little, yes. Did uh, was I surprised to see it come down? Not necessarily. I mean, I thought sure. it, I thought we were at the end of that bull run, uh, just kind of given all the macro headwinds that were inevitably going to to come to fruition, right? I mean, we we had heard about it, right? Inflation, 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 like it was coming. And when was it really going to kind of take hold on the consumer? And when are they going to realize? uh-oh, things have changed and we have to like change some of our habits. So, I mean, from that aspect, it didn't surprise me. I think it was the rate that it declined and how far it declined. Did I think we were going to get back to pre-COVID levels? Probably not, but we're there, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in the end, gravity always wins. Yeah. We uh, we substantially went up far, far more than we thought we would. And and what goes up always has to come down. Um, I, we're still still have a ways to go to reach the bottom of where we were during COVID when it comes to like a rate per mile standpoint yeah. in the spot market. Um, but we're we're getting close. And and unfortunately, there's really nothing leading in the market that can possibly send it in the opposite direction. Um, I, Luke, I know we talk about all the time. We kind of look at the 
the split between what's happened in the spot market and, and what's happened on the contracted market, and that, that split's very, very important. I know that's one of the first charts we're going to look at. And, and what what are you seeing in this chart? Is there is there anything in your opinion that, that might make us go the opposite direction? Unfortunately, no, not on this immediate chart. The, the, let, let's go ahead and pull up this chart here. We're going to look at rejections and we're going to look at volumes here. And I think this is going to be really, really important for folks to see. Okay, so this is a little bit different from the last few charts that we've looked at. The last time we've looked at this chart, we looked at it over many, many years. Right now, I've just got the last six months in because I really just want us to take a look at what's happening right now. So the blue line here is truckload volume pretty much over the last six months. That's the blue line. The big dips you see right here, those are your holidays, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, New Year's. And then if the green line here is those tender rejections continuing to come down uh, over those six months. And I mean, this is, this is the, there was a tiny bit of concern, I think, initially for me, right when we were, we got below 10,000 on the index, just briefly there in uh, the very end of February. But we've bounced up to about the 10,400 range. Uh, so about four or 5% over the last few days. So that's a, that's a little bit of a better sign, I would say. It, it didn't wanna go below the 10,000 range, or at least not for very long. So I think there's maybe volumes have hit a floor. It's potential at least, at least in the short term. I think we can say that. It, it's possible that'll change long-term, but right now, it, even if volumes have hit a floor, there's still an exuberant amount of capacity relative to demand uh, that we're not going to see a bounce in in the near future. You know, Tony, you talk a lot about macro headwinds. You know, are there any of those that folks should be keeping their eyes on right now that would potentially make this volume index here go lower or or go higher? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. Uh, one of the big ones, and this was because, I mean, a Supreme Court hearing started yesterday, right, on student loans. I think that's one area that really hasn't been necessarily talked about when it comes to the what that does to the freight environment or freight economy. Uh, when you think about it, it's like $1.7 trillion in student loans that have not really been, they haven't been accruing interest. They've had, they've been deferred. So you weren't required to make a payment if you weren't budgeting for that to come back into your monthly expense. Like what happened, like that's extra money that you're going to have to, you're not gonna be spending on other things that you might've been spending it on. So that, that's something to pay attention to, and it's more of like, when does that play out? Because inevitably, those payments will restart. It's just a matter of when. I think right now, it's 60 days after the Supreme Court hearing, or June, I think it's July 1st is when they would restart, but it's like whatever happens first. But I mean, ultimately, right now, we're kind of getting into that where 60 days and July 1st are pretty close to each other. So I mean, that's kind of that midsummer time which is also the period where freight's typically moving. So, I mean, you start adding in, I think I've seen the average student loan payments up near $400. I mean, if you take $400 out of someone's pocket and, and what they're spending on goods, and now they're having to spend it on more debt that they haven't been paying on, uh, that's where it's going to get interesting. I think it's just one, it's one thing to pay attention to, at least. Yeah, I, I think March is going to be a telltale sign for the rest of the year. I think the the student loans is a really good point. I don't necessarily know that's going to be like a make or break situation yeah. in the market. I definitely think that if they do decide to pass it and it's they, they give the debt relief, that's great news. But mm -hmm. it's possible that if you could get student debt relief, mm -hmm. a little bit of seasonality with produce season in the truckload mm -hmm. market, and then possibly some really good inflation readings in March and April, there might be a little bit of chance that yep. we 
we might find a reversal. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, right now, I mean, the way I look at the volume chart, right, it, it's really flat. I mean, you see the decline over the last six months, and then we got to what? Mid-January, it's kind of just flatlined from there. We obviously see an uptick right here at the end of at the end of February, which is, I mean, you see that at the end of months where you see some freight start to move. Now, the question is, where does it go in this, want to say, the first half of March? Do we see a quick little reversal back down closer to that 10,000 range? I think that's going to be the thing to pay attention to is really this first half of the month because you do start to get into those produce movements there in the later parts of the early produce season movements start really at the back half, the last week or so of March and move into April and May. But I think this first 15 days of March are going to be really telling with what happens in volumes. Agree. And Luke, you've been kind of wanting to talk about, and, and we talked about it, looking at kind of the GDP numbers. How does that tie into the possible volumes or the contracted volumes in the truckload market? What's, what, what, what do you got to tell the people out there about it? Well, the thing about the GDP numbers is, is right now about, about two-thirds of GDP is, is in the services. Only about one-third is in physical goods. And the physical goods space is really the portion of that GDP that we care about in the freight world, right? It doesn't matter how much money people are spending on you know, their, their Shopify uh, subscription or whatever it is that they have, right, or their Netflix. We need to make sure that in our world, it's all around physical goods. So that's what we're going to look at here. And there's a really, really powerful chart here that in some ways did a lot of predicting where the physical goods GDP was going to go during the pandemic. And I think it's important to take a look at that here because it's it's a bit of an ominous sign if we're being honest. Now, let's go ahead and pull it up here. So we'll look at that GDP chart behind me in a second. And what it's going to tell us is, I mean, really, there's some room to fall. There's some room to fall. So we'll go to that next chart here, give it a quick second here to update uh, on the GDP side. And what and and the the powerful thing about it is actually how far behind it is in the data. So here it is right here, right? So blue line, this is since the start of 2018, okay? The blue line here is uh, real goods adjusted GDP in billions, okay? So the, the index or the, the scale here on the left is gonna be billions of dollars, right, in billions. And then the yellow line here is on the left y-axis. That is going to be contract accepted volume. So that's really the volume that's accepted in the contract market, which represents the majority of the truckload market. And, you know, we can see right here, I mean, it's called nearly every movement, right? It went up a little bit during 2018, 2019. That's that yellow line. GDP followed. We had a little bit of dip right here at the very end of 2019. We saw a little bit of a dip right here in uh, the first quarter for that GDP. Of course, there's that big dip when everything shut down. And then you come over here. I mean, look, it called the entire bull run. And then really right around here, right around the start of 2022, it started to drop. I mean, we can see where it seems like it's flatlined right here now in 2023, but there's there's some room for this GDP, that blue line to curl down a little bit. And I think that's what we're gonna see in the coming months and quarters as that continues to update. And I mean, Tony, you've talked about this a lot, right? I mean, especially with less money going in your pocket, $400 less a month going to student loans, you got, you got less eggs to buy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big takeaway, right? I mean, is what is the financial health of a consumer? And you start looking at their savings rate, right? I mean, obviously, disposable income was up in January, which is a good thing. But say, and savings rate increased a little to like 4.7%. But I mean, we're talking, uh, it was 2.7% in June of last year, but that was the second lowest reading 
ever. And that data set goes back until the started like in the 1960s. So, I mean, you're talking still historically low levels. I mean, pre-pandemic, it was right around that 17 or 17, 7% range. So, I mean, we're, we're saving less as a consumer. We're getting hit from the inflation side, which means we're buying things that are more expensive, but getting less of them. And I mean, ultimately, you look at this chart, I think the interesting part about this chart is there is the slight, we're kind of ahead. When you look at that contract load accepted volume index, I mean, it's ahead by, I want to say quarter, quarter and a half. So, I mean, even some of this downward movement we saw in the back half of Q4 may not have shown up in the Q4 GDP number, right? It may show up here in this Q1 GDP number because, again, some of that, when you're moving those goods or there's less goods moving and that stuff's getting bought in now the first quarter, right? It's less spending that's happening in Q1. So I think that'll be what's interesting because we obviously, again, like we've seen on the volume side, that OTVI chart, we kind of flatlined here in Q1. So if we see a downward movement, I think you can kind of start really pinpointing exactly how much time from CLAV movements to what we see uh, in that real good GDP movement. Absolutely. And I kind of going back to what you're saying about savings rates, I think a little bit of that might have been it's like seasonal bonuses, mm-hmm. right? So it's in the yep. year, people having a little bit more income. Um, that's definitely going to come from the white collar jobs, but delinquency rates are also still climbing. Yep. Credit card utilization is also still climbing. Yep. And you know that that's impacting the lower middle classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's, that, as I think, looking forward, that's where that biggest impact is going to come on yep. GDP overall. 100%. Tanner, I got I to gotta ask you a question too, okay? We're going to go to a next chart here in a minute that's going to look at a lot of the rates inside, particularly how contract and spot have interacted. I know it's one we've seen before, but Tanner, a lot of your customers are in bid season right now, right? I mean, and you're, we're start, I, we've been talking about this for a while. I know, you know, Tony, you and I have, and Tanner, you and I have, and you're talking with it, your customers. Everything is going through bid season right now. RFPs are, are happening, they're getting executed, and we're beginning to see, I think, the next leg down in contracted rates, right? And we're gonna look at that. Spot rates have been down for a long time, but those contracted rates are, are they follow at a much slower pace. Let's go ahead and take a look here uh, uh, behind us. And uh, I mean, here it is right here, right? So we, we've seen this, this is since 2019 in the bottom left. Blue line is contract rates, line haul. Green line is spot rates, also line haul. And if we come over here, take a look at this, right? I mean, they're re- really, since October, spot rates have been flat. There was that, that big spike you see there. That's Christmas, New Year, happens every year. Nothing unusual there, but it's come right back to where it was in October, maybe a smidge lower. Versus contract rates, on the other hand, have continued their steady decline and are finding a new low. I mean, and this is what I want to call it. That green line, those spot rates, this is a line haul without fuel. They are right there at the highs that we had before the pandemic. Contract rates still have a long ways to go. I don't know if they're going to get down that low or not. Time will tell, but they've got a lot of room to fall nonetheless, and they're continuing to curl lower here in Q1 while everything else seems to have flatlined. Contract rates have not. Tanner, from your perspective, is this does that change the conversation at all when everything else is flatlined from volume to rejections, but contract rates haven't? I don't necessarily know if it changes the conversation it's interesting hearing from my customers is, is I think 
half of the retailers are forgetting about what happened to them a year and a half ago. Uh, and they, they might be getting a little greedy because they see those contractor rates dropping. And it's awesome for a director of transportation to say, hey, I, I save this X amount of money or, or hey, we, you know, compared the percentage of sales, we save this. Like, that's great. And it usually gets them promoted. But you can't forget what happened to you a year and a half ago, and you've got to be able to protect your routing guide in case this market ever flips. And I'd say the, the other side of it is the other half are saying, they're like, hey, our transportation costs have dropped so low, we're okay with keeping it here, right? Mm -hmm. Compared retail percentage of sales versus transportation spend, we're in a good spot. If we drop these any further, we're running the risk of just completely blowing up the routing guide. So I think Half the people are starting to see it and remembering what happened to them two years ago, and half of them are just continuing to push down their rates. Yeah, it's that where where you, it's the risk reward, right? I mean, how much risk are you willing to take in that routing guide uh, on your transportation budget if it were to just everything go crazy again? I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I mean, we saw it with COVID. It flipped. I mean, it was the flip of switch. Like the market tightened and rates went soaring. Like it can. The market is still so volatile just because it's so easy for to have an increase in demand. Again, not saying that's happening, but it can happen real quick. You can have capacity leave the market even quicker because they're like, I mean, ultimately, what's stopping some of these owner operators from just hanging up their keys and saying, I'm done running, but hey, they're out of the market. Hey, we, hey we've got data for that. We do. We've got so data for that. Can we, let's put it up on the screen. Oh, there, there's, there's two charts I want to show you. This is the ocean chart. I want to go ahead and skip this one for right now. Here it is. Check, check out this. This is exactly what you were talking about here, Tony. And, it, and I think what, what you were alluding to as well, Tanner, is this is, this is not in but this is, this, is, this is a lot of data that the FreightWaves research team put together by going out to the market and, and performing a lot of research on, and insights on a lot of those owner operators and those small carriers, which make up a significant amount of capacity in the market. They lease on to you know, large carriers. They move a ton of capacity, especially for a lot of 3PLs. So this is really important. And what's happening right now with how low rates have moved, especially spot rates and contract rates are falling, we're starting to see the operating income or the profits for these owner operators just plummet. They are down 2022 compared to 2021, profit for owner operators is down 27%, I believe is the number, right? So what you have here is the, you have median gross revenue on, is in left, okay? Blue, the blue, the blue charts here are gonna be 2021, and then the yellow is 2022. So gross revenue is just a smidge under 200,000 uh, for 2021, just a little over 200,000 for 2022. Gross expenses, though, about 110,000 for 2021, compared with 152,000 in 2022. Makes sense. Fuel really increased, along with a lot of other things. And then lastly, net profit, 87,500 in blue for 2021, down to 63,500 in 2022. And there's one other data set here that's not listed is that nearly 38% of owner operators said that if rates don't rebound in the back half of 2023, they will leave and exit the market. Imagine how much capacity we would lose. And I think if that happens and rates don't find a floor very quickly, we could see a bit of a shock to the logistics markets in 2024. But Tony, Tanner, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think we're, we're, we're at a big risk for this happening? 
I think so. Uh, I think we already know by now that it's going to be a capacity issue in the market. Mm -hmm. We know that that's what's going to cause the market to flip. And, and we talk about all the time. We have a ton of data inside Sonar. But guys, I'm going back to the basics. Outbound tender rejection rate is going to be the first thing that tells us when this market's going to flip. As soon as it goes above 5%, that's going to be my indica key indicator. Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, that's one. Yes, I, I agree. And I think that's going to be the one that kind of tells because it ultimately it trend, tends to lead the market, especially in the way, well, on both directions, right? It's kind of that indication of where rates are headed. I look at this and I've talked about this chart in particular, this owner operator survey that we did. I've talked about it a ton recently. I mean, you're talking revenues increasing 9%, but your expenses increasing 30, I think it was 37%. Wow. Obviously, fuel, equipment prices, insurance premiums all increased pretty heavily in 2022. And that's driving this. But I mean, it, it's a rough time to see this. I think one of the interesting things, and I know you alluded to it, Luke, uh, talking about 37% saying they'd leave the industry. I think what was interesting was that 5% of those respondents have already leased on to a large carrier. They've left their own or they've gone and they've returned to a large carrier. I think you'll see some of that, but it's how many actually leave the industry. It will be maybe the more important part, not those that, hey, I'm not doing this on my own. I'm going to go under a forced dispatch model. I'm going to go back and be a company driver, things like that. I think because you're really not, your capacity is just shifting. It's not really leaving the industry. It's just transitioning back to ultimately larger carriers. Yep, and I don't think this is gonna be a long process. Yeah. Um, we went up so far, we've come down so fast. If capacity does start to shift, I think it's gonna gradually gonna become a compounding issue where it's it's basically gonna happen overnight. Yep. Uh, when this capacity, once it's it's a domino effect. One, once carrier closes its doors and owner operators, they start talking, they start leaving the market, say, I'm parking my truck, I'm gonna do something else. It just, it creates that chain effect. Yep, for yeah. sure. Tanner, you've been talking a lot, if we can go back to the ocean chart here that, that looks at a lot of the bookings um, that we skipped over a second ago. Here it is. You've been talking a lot about this data set lately that compares uh, ocean bookings, the blue line, compared to ocean imports, uh, the customs data, which is the yellow line, um, and, and how that's going to be a, a good predictor of where, where we go in terms of demand, right? Tanner, walk, walk us through this. I guess, how, how can this data set, you know, how are our customers thinking about this? What does it mean for the industry in terms of demands uh, that we're seeing going forward? Yeah, the reason that I preach this data set so much is because it is the most upstream data set that we have available inside Sonar. So looking at the inbound shipment ocean index or the inbound ocean TU index, uh, the first it's going to tell you is retailers are looking at sales every single day on what's coming in the books, what's leaving the shelves. And so they're looking at that and saying, okay, if sales are flying, we need to go ahead and place new orders to bring those containers over from China to, to replace the, to, the racks. But if sales are slowing down on a daily basis, they're not going to be backfilling those orders. So it's going to, again, it's the, the furthest upstream that's telling you about what's happening with demand. Um, it's been really worrisome because we talked about it a few weeks ago. Usually pre-Chinese New Year, you get a little bit of a, a pre-order situation where people know that in late January that there's going to be that Chinese New Year, but there, there wasn't that backfill. There wasn't that uptick. Uh, and then Chinese New Year had a, a really, really big effect this year. There was a massive drop in the in the um, the inbound ocean shipping index. And ultimately, Tony, we were looking at it right off, offline, is that it's about a seven-day, 17-day window, right, mm -hmm. uh, when it ends up 
hitting the port and affecting that CSTM number. Uh, and we've seen a, a recent drop off in the amount of BOLs and TEUs that are at yeah. the ports, and we know that that's going to directly affect the Shogun market. Yeah, it, right. it is. And then the other factor, right? So it's about 17 days before it hits the ports. It kind of lines up with what we're seeing inside Container Atlas in terms of transit times from China to the West Coast. It lines up almost perfectly. The positive sign here, if they're, I mean, looking past these this dip that we're in right now, we did come back up to those pre-Lunar New Year levels. So those will eventually hit the port too. So, I mean, are we going to bounce back up and surge like we did 2021, 2022? Probably not. But is it going to, is there going to be some rebound? I think so. It's just, is it enough to drive enough demand domestically to help firm rates up or cost capacity to tighten in any way on the demand side? And see, the answer to that is I don't think so. But it's definitely something to pay attention to as we get into, again, that middle, mid to late March window. Yeah, and uh, I think we, we put a report out, I think last week, that in January was the first month where we have had more capacity leaving the market than coming in. Mm -hmm. So we are just now, again, it, it's taken this far for demand to fall for that just to start happening. Yep. Uh, and so again, going back to that compacting effect I'm talking about is if we're just now getting to that point and we still see drops in the amount of containers that are coming in the U.S., I, I, just, I just don't see how you don't have end up having capacity leave the market, yep. at least beginning of summertime. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree. It's going to be really interesting to see how the next three or four months shape out and, and which parts of the industry start to move first, whether they move further down, whether they stabilize, or whether they go back up, where that tightness comes from and when it starts and where. And we monitor all of this in Sonar, so it'll be monitored in different regions as well to see if there's any signals there that are early. And you'll be the first ones to know here on With Sonar. When we see it, we'll let you know. In the meantime, have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. We will see you next Wednesday. We are live every single Wednesday at 3 p.m. Have a fantastic rest of your day. And stay tuned for more great uh, content by FreightWaves TV. Take care.